Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of Positively Dog-Powered. Today, I am joined with a guest, Tabitha Kopta. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I know that we're going to talk about a few things today, including how you can find success with maybe what some people might consider a non-traditional breed. But before we dive into that, do you mind introducing yourself to our podcast listeners? Well, as she just said, my name is Tabitha Kopta. I am a dog musher. I primarily run in Dryland, a six-dog rig. Um, I'd like to dabble in four dogs when I have more dogs, but I try to run a professional team of purebred border collies. So how did you get into dogs? Were dogs kind of always in your life? Did you grow up in sled dog sports? I've always had a couple pet dogs. Um, That movie, Snow Dogs, the Disney movie, is what made me want to become a dog musher since I was five. And My first husky, you know, I would attach her to like one of those little sleds that you sit on and she'd drag us around in the snow. But finally, one day um, we were on the road and I saw a bunch of huskies jumping on a trampoline outside. So I told my mom, we have to pull over and go and see the dogs. And outside um, were Ray and Justin Eddie, and they said that they race sled dogs and that Cindy Eddie, who became my mentor, would, you know, take me under her wing and teach me, you know, how to run dogs. And so I really was never into it until, you know, I finally met Cindy. So she's the one that got me started in it. Very cool. And at that point, you had Siberian Huskies? At that point, I had a geriatric border collie. I had just gotten a new Husky and I had a Jack Russell. So variety of different dogs. Okay. So talk to me about kind of how that early process went in uh, sled dog sports. Were you helping them and running some of their dogs? Did you get some dogs of your own at that point? So starting out, she would take me to some trails, local trails, and she would practice with me running some teams of dogs, uh, tried dabbling with my husky and she she was absolutely terrible but she there were races down near Pittsburgh like Butler area I'm from Pennsylvania on Cooper's Lake so I got started with her in the summer so she let me run a few teams of hers at Cooper's Lake so that's really where I got my start and um So running the dogs at Cooper's Lake is pretty much all I did. We didn't, we weren't really able to get out to train too much. So really, I just kind of raced her dogs at Cooper's Lake. But eventually, I got a new Border Collie, Lillian. um, And I tried running her with my Husky. And, you know, my Husky's not all that great. But Lillian just took to it immediately just a little powerhouse she dug in and you know I thought well I feel like my border collie does better than the dogs that I'm already running like she just had more drive than the Siberians 
the Alaskans and I thought she was comparable to. So, you know, I started bike touring with Lillian at the next Cooper's Lake race. And then she did have a litter of puppies and I ran them at Cooper's Lake as well. And they did very well. So Lillian is the one that kind of produced a majority of my dogs and um, the puppies that she whelped have been very successful. So um, that's another way how I kind of built my own team and got into the sport myself is, is Lillian. I think that's pretty cool. You know, I think generally speaking, when we think of pet dog people, the kind of person that owns a Siberian is very different than the kind of person that owns a Border Collie. And it really does take a special love for that breed to live with them mm -hmm. and to really appreciate them. But I think that's really interesting that you started kind of working with Alaskans and Siberians, but then transitioned, mm -hmm. you know, to Border Collies. And that's kind of where your heart is now. What, was there anything kind of besides the performance of Lillian that kind of drew you to Border Collies in this sport? I have had border collies since I was five years old. So ever since I was five, I haven't lived a day without border collies. Um, they're, they're just my breed. They are extremely intelligent. They're very obedient. Um, they're athletic in any sense. I mean, any sport you look at like agility or coursing or fly ball, you know, border collies perform very well. Um, they're, they're just really, really great dogs. And, you know, Huskies, I always thought, well, you have to have a Husky to, you know, race and stuff, but Huskies really weren't my breed. I loved my Huskies, but I, I definitely think Border Collies have a very good, strong mind compared to the Siberians I ran, but they also weren't working bred Huskies either. Um, now, if you had a working bred dog, that makes all the difference, but, you know, it's also, you know, every breed kind of has their own way of performing so if you look at your at a euro hound you know their gait um their structure is different than a siberian or you know my border collies so i mean it's it's a lot to process really yeah it is every dog's really different you know and I, a lot of our listeners don't have purpose-bred dogs but are getting into the sport because they love it and their dog loves it so I think that ultimately it's nice to hear that you can find success in the sport, even if you don't have a stereotypical traditional sled dog. So I know this last year with your dogs, you did find some success. You traveled around quite a bit for shows or for uh, races and were able to kind of keep yourself in the top of the points for ISDRA rankings. Talk to us a little bit about some of the races that you went to this past year and kind of some of this journey that you've been on with racing your dogs. So the goal this year was really to uh, be an ISDRA medalist and I would have been happy with bronze, but we, we, placed very well and earned silver. So I'm really happy with my dogs and proud of my dogs. But we we were practically all over the country. We were in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, New Jersey. Um, where else? We did, we even went to Canada and we didn't too, do too bad at Bristol. Um, but whenever we pick a race, if I had to be more limited, we would choose really based on the amount of points. So usually Wisconsin is the biggest point races because it has 
more competitors, more the top competitors. So really you kind of have to pick and choose based on points and it's it can be a little obnoxious because I'm all the way from Pennsylvania and I don't want to drive 15 hours all the way to Wisconsin. So it's nice to have closer races like New Jersey or Ohio. Um, but, you know, I work for myself. I'm a dog groomer, so I can say I'm going to just go to every race that I want to. But if you're wanting to be competitive and maybe earn those points, but you don't have the luxury of time um, being selective, you're, you're likely going to want to go to Wisconsin. Yeah, it's it's a lot. You know, so you kind of went into this season with the goal of showing up to a lot of races, doing well, and ultimately you wanted to place in the top three in your class for ISDRA. Um, and like you mentioned, that requires you being strategic about what races you go to because certain races are going to have different points than others. When you're kind of choosing the races that you want to go to, obviously there's a lot of components that will go into your decision, um, how far of a drive it is, maybe whether or not you've been there, um, as you mentioned already, points. The more you race, the more you become familiar with different races and their course setup. But as you and your dogs are kind of showing up to a race, do you set specific goals for your dogs in the class? Are you just looking for a clean run? You know, do your goals for each race depend on how training has gone? How do you kind of set little milestones for you and your dogs to kind of keep you guys focused at these events? Really, it's just having a clean run because you can't always control, you know, how their performance is going to go out there because sometimes um, the air can be pretty humid and that can take a toll on the dogs or depending on if you're going to race with a lot of hills and if where you train doesn't have hills, like some things you just can't always be prepared for. Um, I do think strength training is a very important thing for your dogs, especially, you know, a lot of places do have some pretty tough hills, like Dirty Dog has a couple big hills. Um, Minocqua, that was a very fun race. And those were some very, very massive hills, but they're really fun rolling hills going up and down. Um, so, you know, it's just really different areas that you're going to, different terrain. You, you just can't always be prepared for everything, but um, trying to travel around at home and find different areas to train, um, whether it be hills or maybe sandier ground, uh, grassy ground, you know, just, just trying to be prepared really helps. Yeah. I think that variation in elevation and surface yeah. is really important. And even just getting your dogs out working in different environments, you know, if they're used to running the same trails, they can kind of go on autopilot, but really being able to have all of your directional cues and your on buys really nice and solid, being able to practice in new environments will help your dog generalize so that it doesn't matter where they are. They still are able to respond to all of those cues for you. Is there anything traveling from race to race with your dogs that maybe surprises you or maybe did in the beginning when you were first getting started? So, um, you know, if there was anything at a race that maybe felt different or your dogs performed different. Um, I don't, I don't really think so. Um, at Bristol this past year, I thought we didn't have that great of a performance, but I don't know if it was travel wise. 
I've heard comments from others that usually kind of towards the end of the season, if you've been traveling every every single weekend, sometimes that can take a toll on the dogs and it does tire the dogs out um, themselves. Personally, I'm not sure if I saw that in my dogs, um, but this season I thought we didn't quite finish as strong as I had hoped, but I also kind of blame that on a lack of strength training. So I'd like to revisit that, but, you know, honestly, with the traveling, I don't think it's really affected my dogs that much. No. Okay. Very nice. So I know that you mentioned with racing six dog rig was kind of the class that you had the most focus in and the most goals. Do you also enjoy winter sports or do you kind of stick to dry land? I do really like sled. Um, I am a terrible sled driver though, and I need to practice, but unfortunately where I live in Pennsylvania, we don't get the snow. And if we do, it's a dusting and then it's gone within the next couple hours before you can try to get out and do anything. Um, so I would really like to do some snow races this coming year. If we have snow, um, last year, I just, I just couldn't get the, the mileage on the dogs. We were only running about five miles. Um, and really you should try to be aiming for seven miles if you're going to be doing sprint. Um, so last year, like it was humid, it was warm. And whenever I find if the temperature is above 32 degrees, it's harder to push my dogs to maintain a good sprint um, for that kind of mileage. I'm sorry, do you hear my dogs howling? They do. <laughs> singing the song of their people. You wouldn't think border collies like to howl and sing, but they do. Okay. They're settled down it. for this, the minute. <laughs> so... One thing that we talk about quite often, which I feel like is applicable to where we are in the year right now is off season. I don't know if it probably doesn't get quite as hot and humid where you are as where I am, but we've got a significant off season. And I know that especially for a working dog, you know, a dog that has a lot of focus and a lot of activity and structure put into their physical fitness routine, that off season and that transition into off season can be hard. So how do you keep, you know, sanity living in the house with your dogs when you're not able to get out and run quite as much? And how do you keep them fit over the summer so that when fall comes around, you're ready to jump back into your program? Really, it doesn't matter on the weather unless it's pretty, you know, dangerous out like a thunderstorm or something. But every single day, rain or shine, I am outside exercising the dogs for a minimum of two hours or if I have the day off. I'm outside with them for the entire day. Um, so usually our main routine is just playing tetherball, which is actually pretty good for them mentally and physically because it really works their hurting brain, kind of watching the ball um, kind of make its rotations. And they're also cattle dog lines. So they like, they're bred to bite really. And they they do really enjoy biting the tether ball and tether ball is not for the week at my house. They put each other in chokeholds and um, that's, that's really one of their favorite games. And then we do a lot of free running with the four wheeler. So, you know, those two things are really good for them because it really uses their hurting brain. And I think not just the physical stimulation, but with border collies, you really need to mentally stimulate them as well because they're, they're just very smart and they have to, have to be doing something. 
So Absolutely. yeah, every, every single day year round, we, we exercise all, a lot. Now, I think that's really interesting that you brought up that hurting brain, because that is something I think about, you know, as somebody that works with a variety of breeds, I'm often um, challenging dog owners to think about the breed that they own, think about what they were bred for, and how they might be able to find some outlets that are specific to that dog's natural instincts. So I'm glad you brought up hurting in that sense. So they get some of that outlet through play with you. Do you ever notice Um, you know, hurting tendencies want to come out when you're out doing dog powered sports, or do you find that there is a really natural kind of hard line between those two types of activities for your dogs? Honestly, only at hookup, you know, my dogs kind of like to stare at each other and lie down and just kind of hurt each other. But honestly, I call every dog over to me. I let all my dogs loose. They're never leashed or anything. So I can trust my dog's So they're all loose. I'm hooking them up and they're staring at each other or trying to hurt each other. But when I call that dog, they come over and sit down and then I can clip them on and then they're perfectly lined out. They know what they're doing. So it's, it's really not an issue for me. And when we're actively pulling and running, it's, it's amazing how focused they are. Like nothing, nothing phases these dogs. So like if a squirrel runs out, that's not a problem. We've had deer like standing in the middle of the road and they never batted an eye. We can pass other dogs. So and even cows or livestock, if we pass those, because we train on dirt roads out in the country, you know, they're, they're not phased at all. When they know what their job is, that's that's all they care about. So that's one reason why I really enjoy running Border Collies is they are so focused on that job and task at hand. Very cool. I'm, I would... I know that a lot of people when they're training their dogs, you know, if their dogs do have a lot of prey drive distractions on the trail can, can become a problem Mm -hmm. for them. Do you, when you're training your younger dogs, do you do a lot of one-on-one work or do you do teamwork kind of from the start to use those other dogs to get them to kind of hone in and focus on what they're doing? So my first litter would be really the main set of puppies that I got into training So my original team, I would take out the puppies. So I'd start at six months extremely lightly. So maybe I would just go for a slow little back and forth down the road. Um, I would let the puppies free run alongside the team. And I kind of would gauge their confidence level by where they're running. So if they're behind me, I found that they were not very confident dogs, but if they were trying to run alongside the team or join the team, and oftentimes they would be out ahead of the team, you know, I, I saw that as a good confidence gauger and, you know, the litter I had turned out very, very well. Um, So I do like to start with free running with the team, with my puppies. And eventually as they get older, um, I'll hook them up, just go really slow. Depending on the season, the time of the season and the year, Um, I might throw them on the bike with an experienced dog or I'll just, you know, put them on the team, but starting very slow, being patient is, is key. Yeah. Now, when you are kind of deciding what your race team looks like, obviously with a smaller number of dogs in the house, we'll run with consistent dogs each race, but do you ever play around with positions on the team? How do you kind of decide which one of your dogs is best in each position? 
So I've always had them in a set position, but this year I have actually actually been playing around where I want my dogs. So I think that my girls all have leader potential, but it's based on their confidence levels and what they're comfortable with. Um, my main leader pawn, that is, he absolutely refuses to be anywhere else because he will drag the rest of the team backwards. That That's just his place. And he's amazing. He's very quick witted. And, you know, if he's not sure about something, he'll look and, you know, try to get my approval. Um, I, I think I have my original placements, very good placement right now. Um, but I definitely am thinking it's a good idea to play around with leaders because eventually Pawn is, you know, going to get older and he won't be able to lead the rest of them. But based on their strengths and weaknesses, you know, my biggest dog, my strongest dog, he's always in wheel. Um, I do think he could be a leader, but he's a little bit more sensitive. Like he's more, how do I put it? he always has to kind of look for my approval turning around or just confused, or he's kind of worried about his brother pawn being behind him. Like there's all these little nuances that you kind of have to look at. And, you know, some of them, my dogs don't always get along the greatest, um, but we've come a long way. So like blue doesn't like it if Feline's behind her, that makes her nervous or um, Rex likes to be on the left side otherwise he will drag everybody with him um so it's little things that you have to look at and then it's like a puzzle so once you find where the dogs belong in that puzzle things flow very nice and smooth because at one race um i blue is a pretty good leader but she likes to be extremely hard on the right so she just drags everyone over. And if your dogs are not in a nice straight line and they're kind of scattered all over the place, that will make you much slower. Things are not going to go very smooth. Um, and it's it's just a little bit chaotic. So once you find that nice balance, things are just very seamless. Nice. I bet that's a rewarding process as you are kind of going through all those small troubleshooting things in the early training process. Mm -hmm. And then you finally find that mix that works and you're like, ah, oh, here we are. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So with your dogs kind of looking ahead to the future, are there certain goals that you have set for yourself for next season or even, you know, a couple seasons down the road? Next season, I definitely want to try for another medal, especially with the team of dogs I have now, because, you know, my breed being Border Collies, I'm not sure if I'm going to have dogs just as good as them. But the goal is to breed my own line of Border Collies, you know, for myself, if anyone else wants to get into Border Collies and maybe like my dogs, that would be amazing and wonderful. I'd love to share my dogs with people that want to get into mushing, but maybe not one, a Siberian or a Eurohound, but really the biggest goal is to keep being competitive with my Border Collies, breed them to be more competitive. So there's different aspects. I really think I, my dogs are pretty fast, but I think we'd be faster if we could get that size that the Eurohounds have. Cause like my, my dogs, uh, the girls are like 40 pounds. My biggest one is, uh, 50 or 60 pounds. And if you're going to be doing limited sprint, you're going to need bigger dogs. So it's, I'm trying to look at all these little things 
and decipher, you know, what I need to do to be more competitive in the future. So I'm always looking at Facebook is a pretty good tool to look for dogs. I'm always looking at other people's border collies on Facebook and thinking, well, do they have a structure that I would like, or maybe what would a sheep dog line be better than a cow dog line? Um, I have predominantly cow dogs right now and they've been phenomenal. So, you know, it's, I'm still going to have to do a lot of trial and error because I'm still in the very beginning. I, um, I only have had one litter, so it'll take many, many more to kind of find that end goal, but um, it'll, it'll be a process. But yes, I, I do have big goals, whether um, people agree with it or not, but um, border collies are my breed. I don't really want to switch to anything else. So that's, that's my plan is having my own line of dogs. I mean, I think that's kind of an exciting kind of puzzle solving place to be in though, you know, mm -hmm. to, to say, this is where I'm at. These are the things that I'm looking for, you know, and to just kind of play around with it. I think that everyone listening will appreciate the fact that they're breed of choice might not be everybody else's cup of tea, but I do think that there's a place for all breeds of dogs in these types of sports. Um, so, I mean, I think that's pretty cool that you found success with your border collie team and I'll, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out to watch how you guys are continuing over the next couple of years. Um, so goals are to continue running in six dog rig and potentially sled classes based on weather and travel and all that. Yes, I definitely would really like to try to do some sled races and, um, you know, push the dogs mileage wise. Um, if I had more dogs, I would definitely be doing four dog. I, I prefer teams. I prefer to run teams. And I think my dogs are more successful in a team setting because, um, like I said, they just need that size to be more competitive. And the mono sports, you're going to have, you know, larger dogs dominating um, one or two dog classes. So mm -hmm. I think my dogs do excel in the bigger classes, like six and four dog. Um, I mean, I think if I based. could breed dogs to be that size, maybe, um, mono classes would be an, an option, but honestly, I just, I just prefer having a lot of dogs. I like the speed and power of mm -hmm. having the dogs and, you know, kind of working together as a larger team is just very appealing to me. Um, sometimes they don't always listen. I mean, they're extremely smart dogs, but they can be just as stubborn. Um, they like, like other sled dog breeds. Whoa. If I train them better, which I definitely could, but whoa, and my current set of dogs is not in their vocabulary because they have dragged me and try taking off without me numerous times because they they do really enjoy this sport. It's not just yeah. you know me asking them to do it. They they are very thoroughly involved and um, dedicated themselves. So I mean, they it's just I think it's easier if you just went out and got a dog that's already bred for the sport. But like I said, you know, Eurohounds may not be everybody's cup of tea. Siberians aren't everybody's cup of tea. You know, I prefer herding dog breeds. I really enjoy yeah. herding dogs in particular border collies. So, you know, if I, I think it'd be amazing just to have more options, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. 
Very cool. Well, for any of our listeners that maybe are kind of looking to up their game with their non-traditional breed, do you have any tips for them about training or racing or even just kind of confidence at these types of events? I would say, you know, any dog can do it, but if you have a non-traditional breed, if you have a working line bred dog, they are more likely to excel in that sport. Um, they are likely, you know, they already have the working drive and they will just um, tune it in and then just put it in drive into what you're trying to do. Like, I really think my dogs do well because they're hardcore working bred dogs. Um, then I definitely think strength training is very important with your dogs. Doesn't matter the breed. I think in my personal experience, I think strength equals speed. Um, because if you're going up a hill, um, and the dogs start slowing down, likely, you know, they, um, you know, hills are obviously already tough, but if they charge up that hill, you know, they're very strong dogs. They're keeping that speed. Or if they start to lag behind, you know, trot up that hill, you know, they they could be probably in better shape. I really contribute speed to strength, honestly, in my personal um, experience with my dogs. So until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trail. Thank you.